I think that like in Victoria when we originally covered the walls and paper, I don't think we're even thinking like this is an art project. No. It was it was more so just um, we were just wondering what it would be like <laughs> to fall asleep and wake up inside of your own drawing. We seem to be attracted to having a sort of framework, like we have one month to complete this work, we have this amount of space, and we just devote as much time as we possibly can to it. So that, the, so that there's, it, it's a really fuzzy border between um, life and our art making process. It's like that, it, it kind of infects everything, it, it takes over. Now that uh, 15 years or so have gone by, the change is actually a pattern. It's a change back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's like this, we, um, we're stationary working on a thing in a certain place together, and then we move and we travel and we work on our own stuff. We work really big and then work really small. We work collaboratively and we work solo. And these back and forth refreshes the other way of working until you've got the energy to do it again. Uh, we start missing doing the large-scale installation, which makes you miss being alone with the door closed at a little table, doing whatever you want by yourself. My name is Annie Lee, and for this episode of Art Talks Montreal, I spoke to visual artists Matt Shane and Jim Holyoke, who've been making art together for almost 15 years. Matt and Jim's lives have been completely entwined ever since they met in Victoria, way back in the day. They're best friends, they travel together, they make art together, and they often live together. They also do all of those things alone. They found a way to build their own solo practices while maintaining a thriving creative collaboration. I wanted to hear what it's like working so closely to someone for such a long period of time. In their studio, surrounded by massive drawings, we drank tea and talked about their art and how they've negotiated their relationship over all of these years. Hi Jim, hi Matt. Hi Yanya. <laughs> we should start off by saying that we're both in alternate states. I'm a little bit jet lagged from a six hour flight from Brussels and you are... Sleep deprived from going to bed at 6am every morning. Jim was telling me how he's doing <laughs> um, four different projects at once basically and trying to get them all done before a soon deadline. I'm then, nocturnal and you're jet lagged. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about you Matt? How are I you feel feeling? I feel pretty good actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna. <laughs> this is gonna work out. I am interested in your collaboration. I, that's one of the things that attracts me to the projects that you do, and I've been quite like impressed. They're really fun to go see, they're immersive and big. And I'm talking about the work that you do together, and you do separate work individually. Um, Jim, in your, in your work, there's, there's paleontology and monsters and forests and these kind of, these worlds with creatures and mm -hmm. you usually work in grayscale, like black and white mm -hmm. and gray. Yeah. And then you got colors mm -hmm. and landscapes and kind of, I don't remember very many people, but lots of houses and scapes. Yeah, I've never really drawn people, but yeah, houses and materials from people. And it's all distorted sometimes and mm -hmm. tons of colors and it's mm -hmm. paint. Yeah, um, usually. I also draw a little bit, but yeah. I don't know if we should start by describing some of the exhibitions that you've done together. 
Yeah, the yeah. first show that we did together, or the first sort of major collaboration we did together was at our house in Victoria, um, where we were living for, we lived there for about three years, and it was a basement suite. Called The Down. Called The Down, um, as opposed to The Up, which was upstairs, a different country, <laughs> which we hated. Um, we frequently closed the border between our nations. <laughs> there was actually a board that we put on top of the stairwell. But you're enclosing yourself in the basement. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> there is a stairway to the ceiling okay. we're also closing them out um, but anyway for, for one year well we put um, paper up over all of the walls in our house and then we drew on the walls for an entire year and anyone who came over could draw with us it was really a casual ongoing project and there was also um, anytime if we were cooking or something and then um, some of the tomato sauce got on the wall it was just going to stay there for the rest of the year so there are all, all of these kind of traces of our lived um, experience in, in the house as well. And it almost burnt down three times. There was like somebody left a cigarette right next to it. Oh, the it paper. Burnt. Yeah, the, the paper. It was a total fire hazard. Yeah. It was amazing that we were allowed to do it. But we had a pretty permissive landlord. I don't think the they had any idea what we were doing. Yeah. How would they? No. <laughs> but anyway, we, we get, uh, as we finished our undergrad, we were tree planting yeah. just afterwards, and we got notice that um, our uh, grant application had been accepted to re- re-exhibit our basement suite walls in Montreal. Ah. And so we moved here, and rather than apply to galleries and try to get a show, we just started our own. So we moved to St. Henry. Yeah, and we um, lived in a gallery it? space that we invented. We built a labyrinth of walls through the space, and Matt was like on doing the electri- electrics from the ceiling with b- bare bulbs dangling. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> How long was it up there? Um, I think the show probably lasted about a month or so, um, but it was a lot of work. It was like, and it was all like first time that we did all this stuff. Like we were building walls and, um, you know, and building our space too, like building rooms for ourselves and everything. It was like pretty much a blank space to begin with. So um, we built all that. And then we just made uh, kind of special posters for it that we had screen printed, and we just put them all over everywhere in Montreal. So people would come and see it. So the people would come and see it, because we didn't really know anybody here. I, I don't know how to say it. It feels super abstract, but when I've been in the spaces where your work is, it's like the holodeck on Star Trek or something. <laughs> or you, no, but you go into this space where you can imagine it, because they're so large a lot, a lot of the time. I'm thinking of, yeah, the quagmire at Articule, which was floor to ceiling, or the Quebec Triennale, which I guess wasn't four walls, but it was still... It was all the way around. Yeah, was it? Was, yeah, okay. It was like almost like two bracket-shaped L's. Okay, that's what I remember so the So there was openings. a passageway through. Yeah. But that was 90 feet around and 15 feet tall. It just feels like another space. So, what? yeah, what's it like being in that space? Because I know you at Articule you slept in the gallery, yeah. or you sometimes stay. You were at FOFA in that window space, and you were there a lot. Yeah. So do they, does it, is there a bleed between the art uh, and, and life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in all of these cases, there's bleeds between what you would usually think of as an exhibition space and a domestic space and like a studio or creation space. Mm-hmm. Those things collapse in on each other Definitely. to more or less degrees. Sometimes we're not allowed to literally sleep in a space. Like last summer, 
we were in The Hague at uh, the Chem Museum, and we just weren't allowed to sleep in there with the Anselm Kiefers and other precious things. So, um, but then we would just we would try to spend as, basically as much time in there as we could. We seem to be attracted to that too, to that um, to having a sort of framework like we have one month to complete this work, we have this amount of space, and we just devote as much time as we possibly can to it. So that the so that there's it, it's a really fuzzy border between um, life and our art making process. Mm-hmm. It's like that it it kind of infects everything. It, it takes over. It's alive and it's durational as well. Yeah, These yeah. That you're making, but it's the whole experience that you're inside of. Are we trying to invent a shared imaginary home? Yeah. we go and hang out that, like just like instead of playing video games in the basement we just draw together. The weird thing is we usually have I've been a sh- there. I've seen it. <laughs> well, we, we usually have a shared physical home as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an odd thing to do. Um, but that is uh, something that we've done over and over again and we and we seem to like it that it takes over everything. And in a way, it's a, it's a way of mapping out time. Like, I can look back on certain projects and think, oh, that was like the era of mm-hmm. the Articule show. It's a time yeah. frame. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for that month, all I can remember is being in the gallery all the time and working all the time. And also, it, sleeping it, bags. It, yeah. And it infects, like, other parts of your life, too. Um, like, your dreams and stuff like that. Like, they, you know, become part of the drawing. Like, they come out in the drawings. Yeah, well, and also they come into the dreams. The drawing sleeping. comes into the dreams. Yeah. <laughs> it's both. Like, it, it, really, it really takes over. And things look a lot different when the lights are out and it's late at night and you're kind of falling asleep in bed staring at the wall. All the shapes start to move a little bit and the details disappear. Ah! But the contrast starts <laughs> popping out. And I think that like in Victoria when we originally covered the walls and paper, I don't think we're even thinking like this is an art project. No. It, was, it was more so just um, we were just wondering what it would be like <laughs> to fall asleep and wake up inside of your own drawing physically yeah and then to spend a lot of time psychologically or you know in the picture uh as well to be completely immersed does does it make you nutty sometimes or does it feel claustrophobic yeah (laughs) i feel at peace in a place like that yeah you don't always feel at peace no you i mean i think i think each of us like it's intense it's an intense thing to do well what are some of the ways that you feel different after finishing an installation. Is there a sensation well, that happens? Or I, fu- of- I personally have found that um, after finishing a large-scale a- exhibition with Jim that is totally consuming, I feel a bit of a lull. And it's hard for me. Like, I always have this great desire to work on my own stuff after. And usually I want to work on something small, something that I can actually manage and hold in my hand. Um, But I find it really difficult right after a show like that. It's like I have to decompress for a while. And I have to sort of, like, reclaim my own identity and kind of, like, (laughs) sort of, or just, just, like, think about what it is I want to do and what I can do 
on my own as opposed to what I'm doing with Jim because it is really different. We, we have a way of working. How do you? I was going to say that I think now that uh, 15 years or so have gone by, that the change that you're maybe looking for me to describe is actually a pattern. It's a change <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth. And it's like this. We, um, we're stationary working on a thing in a certain place together, and then we move and we travel and we work on our own stuff. We work really big and then work really small. We work collaboratively and we work solo. And these back and forth refreshes the other way of working until you've got the energy to do it again. Uh, we start missing doing the large scale installation, which makes you miss being alone with the door closed at a little table, mm-hmm. doing whatever you want by yourself. So and, can... and living somewhere together and being really immersed in this kind of communal activity can make you want to just hit the road. Which we I think is we do a lot. Of we've, travel we've, we've traveled a lot. Which, uh, individually and together quite a lot. Was there a point where you guys both sort of decided to take art seriously? Did that was that a conversation that you had, or what was the term? It wasn't a conversation. I think it's something I at least just sort of noticed had already happened probably long after it had begun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was really gradual. I was teaching last year. And I um, went off and my, my, you know, some of my students, I, I could tell they weren't interested or weren't excited about the, and it's, you know, it's a big part of it is trying to, you know, uh, get the students to be interested and to see that there's all these possibilities. Um, but then I remember back myself when I was, I first took some art classes just for the hell of it, just because it was fun. And I didn't think that my drawings were that good. I mean, I knew I liked them, but I never thought that anyone else would. And I remember when one of my teachers actually looked at one of my drawings and and started laughing and then showed somebody else what I had done. And just that he noticed anything special about it at all was sort of a surprise. And uh, I think think that was really encouraging, that other people might also find something to it. It was just completely personal to me. I was actually more interested in creative writing. I I wanted to be like a, a... novelist or a poet or something. Yeah. Uh, drawing was just something to mess around with on the side. Um, but then before I knew it, 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 things just shifted. And, and at any rate, drawing, writing, music, I, I don't see strong, like really sharp boundaries between these things. There's ways that they don't mix, but I think that they all come from the same kind of uh, urge there's creativity and maybe narrative in some of them I don't know about music but in drawing and storytelling Um, and narrative I think almost it's more like setting I think it's more like atmosphere ambiance there's a mood that I'm trying to describe and if I can't do it one way I'll do it another way Mm -hmm. and I think that music writing and and drawing all can do it or say it in different ways would have been some of the the tough parts about working together I think anybody that spends a lot of time with anybody has to um, become uh, conscious of being kind to the other person on purpose, not just by default, because you get kind of grumpy. Because you get grumpy even if you're alone, right? Yeah. But you have to not take it out on your uh, friend who is working on this project with you. And I think that I do more grumpy stuff than Matt, probably. He, Matt can get a little grumpy once in a while. I get kind of grumpy, too. But yeah. Matt kind of just closes off when he's grumpy. He'll that, just become yeah. quiet. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, Matt needs to be left alone. I tend to withdraw, yeah. and Jim tends to, like, externalize. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll get 
Um, I'm not a mean person, but Matt Shane is like the nicest person in the world, pretty much. Oh. So like, I, I just have to like treat him, treat him good. Yeah, yeah you gotta treat me good. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's I, the hardest part. I think scheduling being... <laughs> can be tough. It can be tough to just like make sure that we're both there at a certain time, and even though we all, we're both doing other things as you well. You mean in the big picture for upcoming shows, or in the small picture for being here tonight? And working oh, like, on literally, like, I'm nocturnal, <laughs> then Matt Shane is diurnal, so he wakes I up. I try to keep it diurnal, but then, and Jim tries to, to keep it nocturnal, and we, and we have to kind of compromise. Like, I'm always like, let's go home now while we're ahead. It's only 1 a.m., come on. And Jim is always like, no, let's keep on pushing it. I, I get an energy rush at about midnight, and it lasts until about 3. <laughs> and I feel like I start to get dopey around It's my most productive two. hours of the day. Yeah. At around 2, I start to draw more bums and, like... <laughs> penises <laughs> that's kind of my default and then I'm like uh oh I just did another penis that's your tell yeah <laughs> the bums look like smiley faces yeah sometimes so nobody knows but now we know um, everybody knows now but uh but what I would like to say yes. is that <laughs> I feel like um I feel like when I'm left to my own devices I will often do um I get kind of technical and I start to do the same thing over and over again and I kind of like get lost in this um, this pattern of behavior and Jim tends to look at all of these different options and his mind is always going like what if we did this or what if we did this or what if we use this or what if we did that and he sometimes has trouble getting to work because all he can see are the different possibilities and I think that I usually will just start working um, because that's what I'm, what I want to do, and then that gets Jim to start working too, and then Jim will often um, think about uh, different ways that we could treat the drawing, and that gets me to sort of like move away from the drawing and actually consider the possibilities that are open to us. And I think that that, that is a big part of our dynamic um, that benefits both of us. Matt's more stable than I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Matt's pretty solid. You look into his eyes and you can tell that he's not insane. Yeah, and, and Jim likes that. It inspires trust. Yeah, Jim likes that. And I often will look into Jim's eyes and I can see that he is completely insane. And I kind of I like it. I kind of don't like it. I think we're really restless. Maybe. We can't stop. But it goes into the work. Yeah. And it's and it's like I think like traveling is part of it too. Like when we go to new places and encounter new things, like that sense um it, it inspires us and it kind of finds its way into the work as well. Mm -hmm. But it, there needs to be this um this ongoing journey that's happening. If it ever feels stale, then it's not fun anymore. It's just like doing a job. And if we wanted to you know, do jobs. There are other jobs that we could do that would be way more lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> no, we, we were never, I think, um, particularly uh, motivated by making tons of money or getting super famous. I think that our the dearest wish was to be able to sustain it enough that we can just keep going, to yeah. just keep rolling to see where it goes. 
And now, at least for the moment, we're basically at a point where it's rolling now. Yeah. And, it, and, and that's kind of beyond what we ever hoped. It's like mm-hmm. too dear of a wish to even, I think, think out loud. Well, even now. just to think about maintaining it feels like too dear of a wish but to even speak of. <laughs> all over the world, we've done residencies everywhere. You've shown in galleries and museums, like pretty big, fancy places. It is, it's rolling here and abroad major cities. I have this like ongoing fear that... should say that manager was shaking their heads in disbelief. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's true, but what if it stops? Well, <laughs> Sorry. I have, no, it's really like, I, I know it's going, and sometimes I'll, I'll like look at my own CV or my own website and I'll be like, oh yeah, whoa, I did do that, whoa, yes. But <laughs> not to like, yeah, whatever. Um, but like, uh, but I always think that the last thing that happened, the last show that we got, the last grant that I got, is the last one I'm ever going to get. And I always feel this slight panic that mm-hmm. I better keep on applying to new things or like trying to make it, it continue. I, I suppose <laughs> There's being no a, real comfort. Being yeah. a professional artist doesn't have the security that a lot of other professions yeah. have. You don't know where your paycheck will come from once this one dries up. Yeah, yeah and you constantly have to work for it. It's it's a chance. So you apply yeah. to a bunch of things. And there's a maybe, lot of unknowns. So many, so many unknowns. Yeah. Constantly. Every time you apply to a residency, or or for a grant or anything, you have to wait about three months to hear responses. to make crazy decisions before you know the answers. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. done things like that, like, you know, you apply for a job in a res- you apply for three completely different things at the same time, and yeah. you maybe have to you weigh your options. And, gamble. Yeah, because you've got to buy a plane ticket, or you have to apply for a travel grant. <laughs> yeah. For sure. That happens quite frequently. Yeah. 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 But we've been really lucky. We have. We've been yeah. super lucky. Yeah. And I do think that our, our part of our luck has to do with our collaborative practices or you know like I I think that those tend to refresh our solo practices in a great way like having these two sides has really helped us both and I think that's something that that does make um, our practices different from a lot of collaborators A, a lot of people that I know of work in a couple or a group but they don't have their own solo practices as well um, or if they do, then it's hard for them to collaborate. They don't have that separation. Right. Yeah. Or they or don't. The or if they do collaborate, it might be with different people in different fields or whatever. Mm-hmm. But with Jim and I, it's like we collaborate together. That's like that's one practice, and yeah. then we each have our own solo practices. Too. And both are full blasts. We give everything to both of them mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. We were thinking about this last night. I think probably musicians are like the closest thing to that, like where they're yeah. Yeah. Uh, where it's normal to have a collaborative grouping uh, in bands, for instance, and to have a solo practice as well. And your solo practice is just as legit as your group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you give yeah. it your same energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it well, it depends. These years, these last couple of years, we've done a lot of collaborative work, yeah. but. It's so. I was, it used to be more typical that we do a major collaborative project once every year or two. Now it's like we're doing a couple a year, in addition to our solo stuff. But you know, there's been lots of times like where Matt has moved to Istanbul and I moved to LA or something. We don't live in the same place anymore. We're still in touch and we still have schemes going on. But it looks like that 
I mean, that's part of the fun of this one is that this big drawing on the floor is that uh, it's maybe our last one for a little while because yeah. Matt's going to move to Austria while I'm settling in here in the studio. And the moon bites the dust. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm not really too worried about that because this happened lots of times already. And you guys always come back anyway. Well, either Matt will have to, like, his visa will run out and he has to come back to Canada anyway. <laughs> or, uh, banking on that. Yeah. Or then I'll get into, like, that residency in Brussels, right? And then yeah. it's no big deal to go pop over to Vienna. Yeah. 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 yeah, I hope we can do more work in Europe. Yeah. But, I, I mean, at this moment, I'm kind of I'm into... Settling into Montreal mm -hmm. for a bit. He says as he's about to move to Iceland for a month. It's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> so did we survive the interview? Yeah, you did. Okay. Bye, Jim Holyoke. Bye, Matt Shane. Bye, Bye Yan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>